Welcome to Crohn's and Colitis Perspectives on ReachMD. This series is produced in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, providing updates and driving innovation in IBD research, education, and clinical support. Our understanding of complications stemming from Crohn's disease, such as strictures, are continuing to evolve such that surgeons are now forgoing intestinal resections in favor of bowel-sparing procedures whenever possible. But there are still questions as to what these alternative procedures are and how they can be incorporated into surgical practice. Welcome to Crohn's and Colitis Foundation Perspectives on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and joining me to discuss the emergence of bowel-sparing procedures for Crohn's disease is Dr. Fabrizio Michelassi, Chairman of Surgery at Weill Cornell Medicine and Surgeon-in-Chief at New York Presbyterian Weill Cornell Medical Center. Dr. Michelassi, it's great to have you with us. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be on the program. Absolutely. Well, to start us off, can you give an overview of the current surgical options available for stricturing or fibrostenotic complications of Crohn's disease? Absolutely. I think that the two main surgical uh, treatments uh, available for fibrostenoting uh, Crohn's disease are resection, intestinal removal, intestinal resection, as well as uh, strictoplasty. Those are the two main approaches that we employ in the majority of patients. There are some patients with disease in the duodenum where in the past at least uh, bypasses were done uh, between the stomach and the small bowel. But I think that uh, those patients nowadays uh, probably are better treated with strictoplastics and strictoplastic techniques. Great. And, you know, given these options that you just mentioned, how do you go about making the decision between a small bowel resection versus strictoplasty? You know, is there a type of patient presentation that would lead surgeons to favor one approach over the other? Yeah, absolutely. There are certain contraindications to strictoplasty. So at the time of surgery, a surgeon needs first to evaluate the strictures for contraindications to do a strictoplasty technique. Those contraindications are usually inflammatory masses. They're usually the presence of cancer or dysplasia within a stricture. Very long strictures with a very thick intestinal wall, kind of a garden hose variety of uh, strictures, don't lend themselves too well to strictoplasty techniques. So in the end, once you've eliminated the strictures with these particular contraindications, at that point, the strictoplasty can be entertained for the benefit of the patient. Great, and you know, what do we know about the comparative success rates for small bowel resection versus strictoplasty? You know, it's very interesting. Our understanding of strictoplasty techniques has really matured over the past 40 years. The first strictoplasty was performed by Emmanuel Lee, a colorectal surgeon in England at the, uh, in Oxford at the Radcliffe Infirmary in 1976. And actually, Manuel Lee had learned about these techniques of strictoplasty from an Indian surgeon by the name of Kataria, who used to do strictoplasties on strictures for tubercular disease, the small bowel. And in 1976, Manuel Lee did the first strictoplasty, but it didn't publish the results for six years because even Emmanuel Lee was kind of concerned about these uh, techniques, first of all, because you leave disease behind. We know that Crohn's disease is a recurrent disease, so leaving disease behind uh, makes absolutely no sense, or at least made absolutely no sense. 
But then with time and in the decades of the 80s and 90s, additional experience was gathered. And actually nowadays we know two things. First of all, the strictoplasty techniques are very safe. They're not uh, uh, matched by an increased perioperative uh, rate of complications. And second, believe it or not, recurrences on strictoplasty techniques occur less frequently than after a resection. And this is really an interesting concept. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Crohn's and Colitis Foundation Perspectives on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Fabrizio Michelassi about updated approaches to surgical interventions for Crohn's disease. You know, Dr. Michelassi, I'd like to focus on this option of strictoplasty, which you're talking about, in a little more detail. You know, what are the most common types of this procedure? Yeah, so it depends on the kind of strictures that you're dealing with. If it's a very short stricture, like for instance, an inch or inch and a half, the most common strictoplasty technique that is good for those kind of uh, limited strictures is the Heineken Mikulix strictoplasty, whereby the surgeon opens the intestine longitudinally on the anti-mesenteric side of the bowel and then closes in a, a transverse uh, direction creating kind of a diamond-shaped deformity that actually increases the lumen of the intestine and therefore decreases the, uh, the symptoms associated with the stricture. If the stricture is no longer, such as up to uh, three, four inches uh, at the very most, uh, uh, what we use is the finny strictoplasty, whereby we fold the intestine on itself like a U-shaped uh, turn, and we create a communication between the two loops of the, of the U. Uh, the Haneke microxytopasty is by far the most common. Probably about 85% of strictures are handled uh, with a Haneke microxytopasty. The finisytopasty probably in about 5 to 10% of cases. But in some cases where there are multiple strictures, one after the other, such as uh, I would say like a rosary bead configuration, neither the Haneke microx or the finisytopasty is appropriate and more complex and challenging strictoplasty, such as the side-to-side -side isoperistaltic strictoplasties are indicated. And uh, this is a strictoplasty that was devised about 25 years ago, and uh, really is uh, optimal for patients with uh, long segments of disease and uh, one stricture after another for, as I said, extensive length of small bowel. So that's really helpful, actually, that you went through sort of the different variables and, and conditions which might necessitate different types of, uh, of this procedure. You know, are there any possible complications of strictoplasty that both surgeons and patients should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the most common complications are for a, a strictoplasty, any kind of strictoplasty, is intestinal bleeding. And after all, you're dealing with inflamed tissues, inflamed intestine and the postoperative bleeding may occur. Now, fortunately, it occurs only in a minority of patients and requires blood transfusions only in about 2% of patients. And that is the most common complication after a strictoplasty. But in 98% of patients, usually there are no complications at all. Now, if you put this uh, safety record of strictoplasty together with the concept that I was mentioning before, which it seems like the strictoplasty almost offers a preventive, a protective effect against recurrences. To me, it seems like strictoplasties uh, 
are more advantageous than bowel resections, not only because they save bowel, but also because to a certain extent put the patients at a less risk for recurrences uh, down the line. Very interesting. Now, and finally, before we wrap things up, and this has been very helpful, I'd love to get your take on what impact this new approach could potentially have for our patients and on the Crohn's disease care continuum as a whole. Yeah, you know, look, we need to put things in perspective. And the majority of patients will be well served by a limited intestinal resection. And so for limited disease, bowel resection is probably as good as a a, a strictoplasty. But there is a group of patients with extensive disease where I am absolutely convinced the strictoplasties are a better option. First of all, because, as I said, you preserve bowel with the strictoplasties. And if you have a rosary bead configuration with uh, many strictures, the intestine in between strictures is totally normal. So not only you preserve the strictured uh, segment, but you also preserve the good intestine in between strictures. The other thing is that, as I mentioned, there is a, the patient is a, at a lesser risk for recurrences. Now, we also have learned in the past 30 years that recurrences come back almost the same way as the primary index uh, disease. So let's assume that a patient comes to the attention of a surgeon with disease that goes over the length of two, three, four feet, so extensive disease. Probably a bowel resection can be done, no problem, patients go home quickly. But when they recur, they often recur with the same length. And so all of a sudden, after resecting the initial four feet and then resecting the second four feet and potentially a third time another four feet, it doesn't take long for that patient to become a patient with a short gut and therefore a GI cripple. If, on the other hand, to these patients, you apply strictoplasty techniques, you save bowel, that patient is at lesser risk for recurrence. So in the, if you take a perspective of a lifelong disease, that is a better alternative. It's so well, so well put, and I think that your discussion of this topic was so helpful um, and informative. You know, I really couldn't think of a better thought to leave our audience with as well after this very insightful discussion. I'd like to thank you, Dr. Fabrizio Michelassi, for joining us today to talk about bowel-sparing procedures for patients with Crohn's disease. Dr. Michelassi, it was great having you with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. The preceding episode was brought to you in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. If you have missed any part of this discussion or to find others in the series, visit ReachMD.com slash foundation.